Greetings to all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, about five years ago, I was able to come here and uh, share God's word with you. Um, but now, uh, thank you, Pastor, and the leadership of this church, giving me another opportunity to come and share about the ministry of Asian Krishna Academy in India. Uh, this church has been uh, a constant supporter for our ministry in India for the many years. Uh, when we uh, bought the land outside of Bangalore uh, for the starting of the uh, uh, the college there, the seminary, uh, this church provided the finance for the fencing around the campus. We have a 50-acre campus, uh, and uh, we needed uh, fencing first when we bought the land, and uh, uh, this is the church that helped us at that time. Uh, and so we thank you for being with us, and throughout the many years that you have supported the ministry, and so um, the ministry has grown. Uh, we have um, a theological seminary that we have graduated more than 700 uh, graduates with the Master of Theology, and uh, this last three years we were able to graduate Doctor of Ministry uh, students, and uh, this year we are going to have uh, PhD graduates as well. So we thank you for uh, partnering with us. Uh, ACA is a holistic ministry. Um, when I say holistic ministry, means we want the ministries that we start uh, complement each other to help each other. So when we moved into this area outside of Bangalore, which is about 30 miles outside of Bangalore, in a rural area, there was um, no connection between us and the local people because they spoke a different language and uh, we were teaching in English and I, me and my uh, wife and many of the faculty were from another state, so we did not have much connection with the local people. In order to make a connection with the local people and also to have an influence in the community, um, we started a, a school uh, with 225 children in the first year itself and has grown today to 2,700 children from uh, the kindergarten through the um, 11th grade. And uh, this year we are going to have the 12th grade as well. So the Lord has blessed that ministry because uh, 80% of the children who graduated from the school were able to, uh, you know, become uh, Christians. And these were mostly from Hindu and Muslim backgrounds. So it is a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel with these people. And in order to help the local people also, we started a medical clinic. And my um, son-in-law and daughter, they are going to join us uh, this year uh, to work there as doctors, to help us in the ministry there. And that is also to reach out to the unreached people in the area. And we also helped um, a number of children who are destitute and orphans uh, to study in our school. And we have an orphanage. Uh, so the House of Joy, and many of the children who graduated from uh, the school, the House of Joy now, they are employed and they are well-placed in the society. And that's one of the ministries uh, to help the poor and the needy in the society. And all these children have come to know the Lord through the years that they are with us. Um, we, um, oh, the one thing that is missing is a, a college. We have a kindergarten all the way up to the seminary level, but we don't have a college in between. That's one of the things that we are going to start uh, maybe in the next year. We have already laid the groundwork for it and working towards getting the approvals and accreditation from the government 
so once we get that, we will be able to start the college also. Um, so we are trying to do things that would complement uh, each other, the ministries, and we also use our land for cultivation. We grow rice, we grow bananas, and we grow vegetables, and we have a dairy farm. And the land that we bought was barren when we bought it, and now it is uh, like an oasis in the midst of um, uh, in our desert. So it is a beautiful place for you to come to visit, and we thank you for sending um, Susanna to us to work with us. Uh, she is, he has committed herself to work with us one more year, and we appreciate uh, uh, people coming and helping us in the ministry. She is teaching in our school and teaching the English language uh, to the children there, and it's a great blessing to us, and we appreciate uh, your partnership with us in that way also. Uh, this morning, I would like to share a few things about uh, the ministry and also suffering for the gospel. So... Brother Don Metz said, uh, are, you, uh, are you going to make us suffer here as I'm preaching the, <laughs> this message? I hope not. Um, I'm going to share from um, uh, second, the second epistle of Paul to Timothy, which is the final uh, epistle that the Apostle Paul has written before his execution uh, under, the, under the Emperor Nero in Rome. Uh, Apostle Paul um, was twice imprisoned. The first imprisonment, um, uh, in, during his first imprisonment, he wrote four epistles, which are referred as the prison epistles. And then after that, according to the um, Roman law, if the accusers are not going to be turned up, he is going to be released. The, um, the, uh, the person who is charged will be released from prison. And so it is assumed that at the end of the Acts chapter 28, we see that Apostle Paul may have been released uh, from prison. And after that, he traveled to the island of Crete, and he established churches over there, and he wrote the epistle uh, to Titus. And then First uh, Timothy probably was also written during the time that he was released from prison. And he traveled all the way to uh, Nicopolis, and he was imprisoned again, uh, arrested uh, while he was in Troas, and he was taken back to Rome. So this is during his second imprisonment, the Apostle Paul wrote the uh, second epistle to Timothy. So this is also a, is a prison epistle, even though it is not referred as a prison epistle. It is referred as a pastoral epistle because the main uh, subject matter is uh, relating to ministry. So um, in this epistle, the Apostle, which is the final letter, we call it, the farewell message of the apostle. And what is most important in his mind, he was trying to communicate to his beloved disciple and um, the person whom he has brought to faith, the Timothy. And he wrote this letter to him. Probably he was in Ephesus at the time. And Paul was in Rome in prison awaiting the execution. So he talked about the gospel. The most important thing that he wanted to communicate to his disciple was about the gospel. You need to preach the gospel. So in these four chapters in the second Timothy, the apostle is talking about sharing the gospel. The first chapter he says, guard the gospel which you have received from me and also from the good education that you have received from your parents and the coaching 
you got the gospel. And the second chapter is talking about suffering for the gospel. That's the chapter that I would like to share this morning. And the third chapter he says, continue in the gospel. And the fourth chapter he says, preach the gospel in season and out of season. So the, this, chap, this book is basically talking about the gospel. So in the second chapter he says, suffer for the gospel. So we are living in a country of uh, 1.2 billion people. And most of these people are living in darkness. 80% of the people are Hindus, uh, Sikhs and Jains. And about 15% of them are uh, Muslims. And maybe uh, 4, 4 or 5% um, are Christians. And uh, half of them are Roman Catholics. So the evangelical Christians are maybe 1 or 2% in the whole country. So we have a great responsibility to reach to the unreached in our country. Christianity is only good for one generation. If the gospel is not preached to our succeeding generation, and if they don't personally come to know the Savior, the Christianity ends there. What happened in Europe today, once it was a Christian continent, today it is not a Christian continent. Maybe Christianity is only maybe 2%. And it is going to become most probably a Muslim continent uh, maybe in the next 20 or 30 years. America is today is a Christian nation in the sense that majority of the people here uh, uh, believe uh, in Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Many of them are evangelical Christians. And if you do not continue to share the gospel, uh, preach the gospel... Again, the same thing. If our children won't become believers in Jesus Christ, then there is no Christianity here either. So it is the responsibility of Christians to pass on this faith to the next generation. We are happy to see that these children are being dedicated here. And we have made a commitment to share the gospel with them, to bring them to the proper knowledge of Jesus Christ through the teaching of God's word. And that's exactly what the apostle is talking to Timothy about. He says, continue to preach the gospel. Be strengthened by the grace that is uh, given to you. Uh, chapter 2, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. So you can see that, of course, you know, we can be, you know, Timothy's main problem was he was a very shy person, he was a very timid person, so he needs to be strengthened to share the gospel. We need encouragement, we need courage to share the gospel with other people. And we can be strengthened only by the grace of God. And everything that happened, you know, in our ministry, I can say, is purely by the grace of God. Everything belongs to God. And he is the one who did everything. And he is continuing to do so. And every blessing is from him. And it is our responsibility. To entrust the, faith, the word of God. To faithful men who will be able to teach others. The reason why we started the seminary was. For this very purpose. That I had the opportunity to come to America. To study at Dallas Theological Seminary. And dispensational theology is something that is unknown in India. And so we had the desire to go back and start a seminary that is teaching the word of God 
um, and also interpreting the word of God correctly. Uh, so we started this seminary in 1976 um, in India. And um, our purpose was to entrust the word to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Now here in this, Paul says that uh, I have received the word from Jesus Christ. And um, now it is Paul to Timothy. And Timothy, to uh, he's, asked, he's asked to entrust the word to faithful men. And these faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That means, you know, there are four successive generations we are talked about. And it is, it is important for us to receive the word correctly. And also to entrust the word to faithful men who will be able to teach others also correctly. Because we are living in a context where the word of God is distorted. The word of God is, you know, withheld. Sometimes um, it is not being used in the proper way. So he's saying, entrust the word to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Then he uses uh, five, uh, sorry, six metaphors to describe the gospel. You know, how to, what are the important characteristics of sharing the gospel? The first thing he says, you suffer as a soldier of, uh, of Jesus Christ. The first metaphor is as a soldier of Jesus Christ. He is taking this metaphor right from the Roman context, which is looking at a Roman soldier. Whenever a metaphor is used in the scripture, and whenever uh, he is trying to illustrate something, we should know that what part of that illustration is, um, you know, is um, used here. Everything in relating to a Roman soldier is not important here. But there are certain things that are important for this illustration here. He says, suffer as a, as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And, you know, the things that are important for us to um, follow is the discipline of the Roman soldier. In order to be a disciplined soldier, you need to go through the boot camp, you need to get the training, and you need to uh, suffer. And also, second thing is that he needs to be uh, uniquely concentrated on the things that you are going to do. If you are going for fighting, you are not going to worry about your salary, you are not going to worry about your family. The government who has enli uh, enlisted you uh, should be able to take care of those things. So that Oneness of mind, that unity in our purpose is very important as a soldier. So we need to suffer as a soldier of Jesus Christ in order that we be able to take the gospel to the unreached areas. The second thing, second metaphor that he uses is as a, um, as an athlete. As an athlete, you have to, um, compete according to the rules. He had to run the race uh, lawfully. And he says, you should be following the norm or the, you should be, a, and according to the Greek, it is a nomimos. You should be following the rules. Very important for an athlete to compete according to the rules. This is, he is not talking about athletics here, but he is talking about preaching the gospel. Even for preaching the gospel, laws are to be followed. There are principles are to be followed. Uh, God's word is to be preached according to the law, according to the 
commandments of the word of God. And it is, and also we have to compete according to the rules of the game. You know, uh, many of these great athletes who have received the Olympic gold medals here were disqualified after some time. Because, you know, Ben Johnson, you know, he lost his gold medal. And many of these athletes have lost it because they did not compete according to the rules. They violated the code of conduct. As a Christian, he's asked us to share the gospel. But while we are sharing the gospel, we need to go according to the rules of God's word. We need to watch ourselves as a athlete. The third thing is that, the third metaphor that is used is a farmer. Um, you know, I, even though I am a Bible teacher, I am also a farmer. We have the land and we use the land for farming. We grow rice, we grow bananas. Last year we sold more than 150,000 um, rupees worth of bananas. Um, uh, the, we, uh, the, the far- one of the things about farming is you need to do hard work. Uh, farming doesn't come, you know, the, the fruit doesn't come out. Uh, easily. Uh, hard work is very much necessary. Uh, second thing is that, um, um, you know, here he is not talking about really not farming. He is talking, using it as an illustration about um, gospel work. But in the gospel work, what is required is holiness. Holiness is the field that we need to be careful about. That means, you know, you need to be sure that the fields are clear of all the weeds before you sow the seed. And if you don't take care of that, then of course, you know, you, will not, you are not going to get a good um, crop. Likewise, when we are sharing the gospel, we need to be careful that our field is clean. That we are doing a job that is, you know, we don't waste our time. We, don't, we will be careful about how we cultivate. The, we need to cultivate the field of holiness. And of course, the harvest that we are talking about is not bananas or rice or anything. We are talking about winning souls for Jesus Christ. And of course, that is the hardest job. Winning people uh, for Jesus Christ is not an easy task. Uh, so you need to make sure that the method that we take, make is suitable. If a person who is hungry, make sure you feed him before you share the gospel. If he is thirsty, of course, you know, give something to drink. If he needs clothing, provide that. So there is a way to build a relationship, build a friendship with people uh, and, know, and show the compassion of Jesus Christ so that the gospel will be accepted by those people. Uh, we, we know that God's kingdom is going to be established when Jesus returns, he is going to bring righteousness and justice in this world. But there is a lot of injustice in this world. And it is our responsibility as Christians to remove some of those injustices in the world. If a child is suffering and if the parents are not taken care of, there is injustice involved in that. And it is our responsibility as Christians, as his representatives here on the earth, to remove those injustices by providing a good life for that child. Giving an opportunity for that child to come up in life. So it is our responsibility. So as a hardworking farmer... We need to be careful how we cultivate the fear. Winning souls for Jesus Christ. Using the available resources 
uh, to utilize it in the maximum way to bring people to Christ and to raise them up in the care, nurture and admonition of the Lord. The third metaphor, uh, the fourth metaphor that is used here is in, in verse 15. He says that um, preacher of the gospel, um, an evangelist, he should be a skilled worker. Um, uh, verse 15 he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker um, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is important for, you know, the third, the fourth metaphor that is used here is about a skilled worker. Of course, you know, we can have different kind of workers in any company or anything like that, but we use skilled workers for skilled jobs. A Christian worker is a skilled worker. That means, you know, he needs to use the skills that God has given to them in a better way. Now, here he is talking about dividing the word of God or rightly understanding the word of God. It takes effort on the part of the individual to study God's word correctly and be able to interpret it correctly. There are people who go away from the truth. Rightly dividing means cutting straight. But there are people, uh, um, Hermanus and Philetus, you know, these people who are swerved or gone astray from the truth of God's word. But in the context of people going away from the truth of God's word, the true worker of God, the approved worker of God, should be able to cut it straight, should be able to divide the word of God correctly, to be able to understand the truth of God's word and be able to um, present it to the people. You know, we have, um, we have a carpenter in our uh, campus. He's a very skilled worker. And uh, the way that we know that he's a skilled worker is after he put all the pieces, when he brings all these things together, everything fits properly. When there is no gap between those joints, we know that he's a skilled worker. That means he has planned it well, he cut it properly, so that when they joined it together, it came out correctly. So God's word, to understand it properly... And to bring them together because there is unity of God's word. From Genesis to Revelation, there is the truth of God's word. It is the one author, which is the, who is the Holy Spirit of God, who has revealed his word to us. Even though he used more than 45 authors to give us the word of God, when it is fitted together, when it is correlated one to the other, there is always there is a unity and oneness. In the study of God's word, of course, we follow these steps properly. For example, you know, there are four steps in the study of God's word. The first step is observation, that you observe the word of God. The second is to interpret the word of God, to understand the meaning of the text. But the third thing is very important, called correlation. That means every part of God's word is connected with another part of God's word. Because if one explains the other, if there is a a difficult verse in somewhere, there will be another verse that would explain that to you. Or if there is something that you cannot understand from one, you, you read another portion of scripture that will complete. So, correlation, one comparing the word with another portion of scripture, because it is the revelation of God. Also, we need to understand that it is progressive revelation. 
God has revealed it um, since successive uh, times in history. And ultimately, he has revealed everything to us through Jesus Christ. And with the book of Revelation, the, the Bible is complete. And we need to understand that the correlation is very important. And the fourth step is application. That means you need to, what does it mean to us? What the word of God says and what it means to us today. And how, it, how we apply God's word. Because it is written for our correction, for our admonition, for our uh, life change that God has given his word to us. And we need to u- utilize it for that very purpose. Then the uh, fifth one is, uh, he says that um, we should be clean vessels. The metaphor is a clean vessel. He says, flee, flee youthful lusts. And uh, he says that um, pursue righteousness with love and peace. And be clean vessels for Jesus Christ. He says in a house there are many vessels. There are, some vessels are used for uh, certain purposes and some others used for some other purposes. So for whatever purpose that God has created us for, we need to use ourselves for that very purpose. God wants us to be clean vessels. In order to be clean, here he is talking about um, getting, uh, getting rid of the, uh, uh, the lust and the passions and the evil and the sinfulness in our life. God wants us to run away from those kind of things. And also he wants us to pursue. He says, flee youthful lust, but also he says, pursue righteousness. You run away from evil and run towards righteousness. He says, I say, you need to be a clean vessel so that God can use you in his master's use. So pursue righteousness with love and peace. And the last metaphor that is used, he says, you are, a, you are Lord's born servant. You are Lord's born servant. He said, a Lord's born servant should not be quarrelsome. Um, he says that um, uh, Lord's born servant is not quarrelsome. He is kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, in gentleness, correcting those in opposition. So these are the important things that I talked about. We are the born servants of Jesus Christ. We are the slaves of Jesus Christ. Even though James was one of the um, you know, uh, half-brothers of Jesus, but he was not a believer during the time when Jesus was here on the earth. Um, only at his resurrection, after Jesus rose, James was one of the persons whom he appeared to, in, uh, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And during that time that he became a believer. And afterwards, he became a very important person in the in Christianity. He, was, he became one of the pillars of the Jerusalem church. And then he also wrote to us one of the first epistles, probably in history. Uh, before Apostle Paul wrote the epistles, it was James who wrote the epistle to us. Maybe according to the dates, maybe that was one of the earliest epistles. But in that, you know, James and Jude were the half-brothers of Jesus. And James wrote the first epistle to us. And in that he says, I am a born servant of Jesus Christ. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Even though he is the half-brother of Christ, 
Now he says that he is a born servant of Jesus Christ, a slave of Christ. We do not have any rights on ourselves. We do not have any rights. We need to give up our rights. Um, many times, you know, we don't want to give up our rights. I was, you know, my uh, little, uh, my grandson who is six years old, you know, he, I asked him, what do you want to do when you get old? Well, he said, I would like to buy a Lamborghini and drive. <laughs> and, and I said, man, that is, uh, you know, desiring for these kind of things, you know, this uh, luxury stuff is not good. You need to be spiritual. Then he asked me, what is spiritual? Spiritual means uh, you need to give up uh, these kind of desires and you need to um, be humble. You need to, you need to buy maybe a, a Toyota Corolla or something like that. So, <laughs> um, then, you know, my son, then he said, I don't want to be spiritual. <laughs> I like money and cars, that he said. <laughs> That's what the world is. You know, I said, you know, that six-year-old guy has got that, you know, he, he's very honest about it. Others may not say this, but it's all in their hearts. They still want to have money and uh, wealth, you know, all this kind of worldly stuff. But, you know, in order to give up those things willingly, that is where real Christianity comes in. Paul says that even though I have the right to take a believing wife, even though I have the right to uh, get a good salary... And I get a good job and all this kind of thing. He said, I have given it up. I consider all these things as filth. And I gave it up. So willingly giving up something that you have the right to have it. For the sake of the gospel. That is where your true Christianity comes in. That is when you become a true slave of Jesus Christ. You know, we, me and my wife, you know, my wife was employed here. While I was doing my PhD here. And we had the right to stay here because we had, the, she got the U.S. citizenship and I was the green card holder. So we could have stayed here. We had the right to stay in the United States and work and make money and stay here. But we gave it up. We left it uh, in 1984. You know, it's about um, 28 years ago. I left all those things um, and we went back to India. And as a result of it, thousands of people were able to uh, become Christians and, uh, you know, the, the Church of Jesus Christ was strengthened and helped in that country. And we hope that someday uh, our presence over there is going to make a lasting impact for the gospel. So we are, it is only by giving up we are actually really uh, making a profit. If you don't, if you are not willing to give up, then we are not really becoming a true born servant of Jesus Christ. My son who, is, uh, who graduated from Texas A&M, he is a mechanical engineer. He worked also in Houston last year. Um, he is a pipestress engineer. He was making very good money. Uh, but he gave up all that and now he is going to be a missionary in Nepal. And he has taken his three young kids and gone there. And um, I told him, you know, um, that's a hard place, very hard place, you know, much harder than Bangalore, so why don't you stay back in Bangalore? He said, he said no, God has called me to go to uh, Nepal. I, I cannot say no. He is willing to give up something for the sake of the gospel. Um, and we, he, uh, Paul is saying here, 
if you really want to be a true soldier of Jesus Christ, if you want to be a true evangelist, you should be a born servant of Jesus Christ. The born servant is not quarrelsome, he's kind to all, he's able to teach, he's patient when wronged, in gentleness correcting those in opposition. So the mainly I can summarize um, these uh, six into uh, three. In conclusion, I can say a God's servant is a committed one, he is a clean one, and he is a compassionate one. So if we are following these principles of God's word, we can be true servants of Jesus Christ. We want all of you to be followers of Jesus Christ, to be servants of Jesus Christ. doesn't matter whether you are here in Tombol or anywhere else in the world. You don't need to be uh, you know, in a foreign country in order to be a, a witness for Jesus Christ. And we hope that you will also follow these principles and to serve God in such a way that you make an impact in this part of the world. May God bless you. Thank you.